you know, whenever I'm thinking about doing a project around the house, I always think like, is this going to help the house in the long term? Meaning, if we were to have to pick up and move, would that help the return on investment? And I never really quite know the answers. Like one of the things that we're talking about now is, do I need to replace the windows? Well, we're kind of getting there, but then it's like, well, what's the timeline with our house? Do we, do we want to live here for five years or 10 years or 15 years? And, and, and do windows have any great return on investment? Does that matter? I, I have no idea. Hey, let's build it on radio.com with Corey Heppola and from Lindus Construction, Andy Lindus. Windows. Okay, Andy, so windows, is that going to help the value of my house? Oh, for sure. You know, windows is actually one of your, your higher returns on investments. And in, in our area, the you know, this is throughout the United States, the average is about 73% return. Uh, unfortunately, in our area of the north central region, which takes into Minnesota, Wisconsin, North Dakota, Iowa, on, on the reports that I was looking at, it's in that 50 to 55% range return on investment right when you install them. That's not even factoring in staying there or energy savings. Does it matter like how long you're going to stay in your house? Like if you were going to move in, a, in potentially a year or two, but you had to get new windows, would you say do that before you try and sell the house? Um, it all depends on the on the shape of the windows that that you have. Now, if you're going to be there for a while and I and you and, and you hate operating your windows, that's going to be going to be a factor. What I always like to look at is what does hey, this here's a heads re- up repair or home improvement project cost me a year for the longevity of these windows, or if I'm going to be here another five years. How much is my property value going to increase? You know, I'm going to get 55% of my of my money right when the job's done. That's how much my house value is going to increase. How much is it going to increase over the next, if I'm going to be in here five years, 10 years, 20 years? I try to put pen to paper and actually come up with those numbers to, to make a the best decision for me. But sometimes it's just that I hate these windows so much. I'm, I know I'm only going to be here another year. I'm going to replace them just because I don't want to deal with them. Uh, or they're in such bad repair that you're worried that no one's going to buy your house because your windows are that bad. Yeah, you and your budgeting. I, I get it. Uh, <laughs> so, okay, we look at home improvement projects. Just I, I want to ask the question about return on investment. Do you have like maybe two of the top two best return on investment projects, home improvement projects, and then maybe two of the worst. And, and could we start with the worst? So like, what would be the top two worst return on investment home improvement projects that one could do? Well, in uh, across the country, that would be your master suite addition upscale. And that's how most of these, uh, I use uh, cost versus value from Remodeling Magazine. Harvard puts out some information every year. Uh, a lot of uh, my trade uh, groups will, will have information of average cost of, of, of certain things. So I've tried to combine a lot of their information for our uses today, but upscale master suite Addition. So you're talking to adding a bathroom and, and the whole nine yards. Sometimes those projects are two hundred to two hundred and fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And when you're talking about a forty one percent, forty to fifty percent maybe cost uh, ROI right out the gate. So you'd be losing a hundred hundred and fifty thousand dollars the first day you go in there. And I get it. Master suites are awesome, but it's usually the cost to put them on their house. It's going to take you quite a few years to have the value of your home go up to recoup that. It's just 
it's going to be a hard thing to do. And some of those are so personal too. You know, it's like, hey, this one's right for us. But if you try to sell the home, then maybe somebody doesn't like this or that. And you don't, I guess you don't want that to be the, you know, the thing that hangs you up on something too. What would be another, another home improvement project that would be like the worst for ROI? Uh, believe it or not, um, metal roofing. Uh, that, that's, uh, one of the ones, uh, metal roofing and, and, and just some of the, the really high aesthetic entrances that you can do, but they're all in that 40% r- uh, range of return on investment. And now the, the one thing that these lists don't factor, and, and that's why I think you have to take them with a grain of salt. And, and, and I think it's a good starting point when, when we talk about these things, but there's things in neighborhoods and, and professionals that to get involved that I think can help people make better decisions like metal roofing. It's not factoring that that like the metal roofing I install is going to last. The finish is going to last 35 years, and then all you have to do is paint it. Mm-hmm. So you might have a, this roof very well potentially could last 100 years. Now, the value of that roof, the spending that $40,000 on that roof versus a normal shingle roof at $20,000 starts to make a little bit more sense, especially like in my situation. I'm fourth generation in my house, so I'm trying to think about two, three generations down the road. My hope is that it is an eight-generation place, you know? Mm-hmm. But situations, the, it has to be the right situation. Um, let's talk about the top, the top two best return on investment, home improvement projects that you could do. What are they? You know, Entry Door went down, the, uh, down a couple of notches this year on, on the main list from Remodeler Magazine. Uh, a couple of lists is still one or two. Entry Door is always a, a, a nice place to start. They're wildly energy inefficient. Um, it's something that most people don't see a lot for whatever reason. We don't use our front doors as much as our guests do, Corey. Mm-hmm. We have different ways in and out of our house. So a lot of times we don't operate it very much. And we go to sell our home and we find out that this is this door is terrible and we need to get it replaced. And believe it or not, the average uh, cost is under $2,000 for the most part. And you get a pretty good return on your investment, almost 60%. But it slid down the list to number three. This is kind of a neat one, though. Manufactured stone. Okay. You know, in our area, our area of the world, it's got a sixty percent return, but in across the country, it's ninety-five percent return on investment. I don't know why up here us uh, up here in the north don't uh, appreciate our stone as much as the rest of the country, but ninety-five percent return on your money is is pretty crazy around the yeah. When you say when you say stone, like where? What does that mean? So imagine, we, we use this a lot on siding projects. You know, you ever seen like where brick comes up uh, partway up the house or one yes. wall is yep. completely brick or the front is completely brick? That's usually a manufactured stone that's, that's not put on with any type of mortar or glues. It's screwed on. So it's actually, it's a really easy pro- product to use. Not a lot of waste. And out of uh, all the do-it-yourself things, so when it comes to stonework, this is actually one that most people could handle on their own. Gotcha. Okay, so the top number one best home improvement project for return on investment, what would that be? Mid-range kitchen remodel. It's uh, it's Hmm. one that's always in top five of the list. Uh, Once you go upscale on things and add crazy appliances and, you know, I, I saw a countertop the other day, Corey, that was 12 foot by 12 foot, and they sourced the marble from some pre. It was $90,000 for that, that 12 foot by 12 foot piece of marble. You're not going to get a lot of people that are going to want to put that value on the kitchen. That's a pretty personal thing. But a mid range kitchen remodel, something that uh, is going to stand the test of time, and you have high quality appliances, maybe not the very best, 
you can get your money back on that pretty quick. Yeah, that kitchen too. You, you think about all the time that is spent there and, and those kitchen islands and the backsplashes and and just getting it right and and not going overboard, but just getting it right obviously makes a big difference. It does. It does. It, but it is a, out of all of the remodeling projects that I do, it's, it's so hard not to go overboard because of the cool things that are out there. And again, it's a personal thing. Not everybody wants a steamer oven, but Gosh darn it, when you get crepes from a steamer oven, it's as good as it gets, Corey. In July, we spend a lot of time outside. Hey, here's what's trending. And I know that this year has been an incredibly busy year for you doing, you know, outside projects, outdoor living spaces. I guess the theory behind that, why do you think so many people are investing in those outdoor living spaces right now, Andy? Well, you just have to think of in the last four months, Corey, We've spent more time at our homes, typically, than, than in the last year, when, when you count the minutes spent at our house. So everyone's looking to expand. It's a real natural way, and usually a pretty cost-effective way to expand your living area by, by bringing some of it outside. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I just can't wait to be outside. I, like right now, if, if I don't have to be inside, I'm not going to. I've spent way March, April, May, it was enough inside time for, for a lifetime, it seems like. So our phones have been ringing off the hook, and it's been a lot of fun to help people dream about outdoor living spaces and, and really attack some unique projects. Yeah, and, and we've told you when we do this podcast, which we have to do a part now and over the, over the web, that you can't, you can't be outside. We can't hear the birds chirping. you got to be inside right now to do the podcast. <laughs> exactly. Um, I did get some heat today on a conference call because they were hearing my birds chirp in the background. So I I moved inside. We've talked about patios and decks before. And and by the way, I I would agree with you completely in that people are at home. We're spending more time at home. We don't know when this is going to let up. And so people are like, you know what? If I'm going to be at home, I want to make sure that that project that I've had, that I've dreamed about forever, I want to make sure it's done and it's done right. We've talked about patios and decks before but now that you're so busy with with all these outdoor living spaces what are you seeing the most of in in july here uh shaded areas um it's it you know, even up here in the north sometimes it's too hot if you have a full sun area it can be too hot on a deck so we're looking ways to add shade whether those are pergolas uh awnings uh building a deck that is multi-tiered so and, and trying to think of in july what what is the direction the sun is going to be coming from when you're going to be using the deck most and, and designing it so we can try to keep people shady i know the difference of a covered porch versus one in full sun can be 50 60 degrees on the surface hmm. Just think of that, the amount of heat coming up off of that. So that's that's something that every July and August people are, are having us out, whether it's an existing deck or one that we're designing. It's something that we're trying to take into consideration. And, of course, outdoor kitchens, man. People are spending a lot more time on their grills, it seems like, than normal. So outdoor kitchen, that's what – I mean, do you do fridges or freezers and, and grills? And, and I know before we've talked about the gas lines and stuff like that leading up to them. Yeah, and on almost every deck that we're building now, we, we ask about the outdoor kitchen, and they're like, oh, maybe down the road my budget's not going to be put in there, and we rough that gas and water in, and now we're going back to a couple of these, and we're putting that stuff in, and we're real happy that we roughed that in uh, when we did. It saves a couple of steps. But, yeah, no, it's it's getting water 
to their area. It might be just a, a small module, a small countertop with a sink and maybe a mini fridge underneath. They can be as small as that and then they put their grill next to it and, and call it good. Then there's the Taj Mahal of pizza ovens and burners and, and crazy gas grills and wood pellet and smoke. I mean, you, you can spend $50,000 on an outdoor kitchen way faster than I thought possible, but I'm starting to see it done. Not on a regular basis, uh, and it's definitely not by me, but uh, I have some customers that they're going all in on their outdoor living, Corey. When, when, what, what would you see for creative things that are done? So if you get a deck, what, are, what do people do under the deck? Do they just try to let the grass grow even though it's not getting a lot of sun? Do they put sandboxes? Do they put hammocks? Do they do, is that where they're putting these kitchens? What, what, like what would go underneath a deck like if you're going next level under a deck? Like all of the above, uh, there, there's things that we can do to condition that space to keep most of the water out. There's maintenance on those those systems that, that we always try to make people aware of, and we'll design a deck to make that maintenance even better. We'll screen in the underside of decks a lot. We have a, a really awesome combination window that can raise all the way up and then still have screens. And we're actually designing one right now with a garage door buddy of mine, and he has this, this screen system that can go up to 18 feet wide. So you can put it between posts, and it's 100% electrical. So you can be open air, hit a button, and then the screen lowers, and now you have a three-season porch. It's, hey. uh, you know, keeping the mosquitoes out in our area of the world, it's, uh, it's a, something you need to think about. A hot tub. By the way, I keep bringing up the deck because wink, wink. Andy Lidness, come on over. Let's figure that out. We don't got one. We don't have one. We got to get one on this house. I will make that happen this month, I promise. Hey, here's a pointer. When it, when it comes to home improvement projects, if, if, if this is a home that you're not planning on, on being, it's not your forever home, uh, even if you're planning on leaving in the next two to three years, three to five years, I think it's wise to, to maybe consult with a realtor. Now, a lot of times they might be trying to talk you into selling your house and generate some businesses. That's part of their job. But more often than not, they're going to be honest with you about what money you can sink in on this and, and, and get it back, whether it's next year, this year, or 10 years down the road even. So it's, a, it's usually a free service. And if you have a realtor friend or somebody you've done business with, don't be afraid to reach out and pick their brain. And I would jump on that too. Sometimes it's good to get that conversation going, even if it's something that you're not ready for today, but maybe it's six months or a year or a year and a half. If you find a good one, they'll want to like walk you through and answer any of the questions that you have. And then when you feel comfortable, then you're, you're ready to go. You know, for, for most of us, Corey, this is the biggest investment we ever make. So minding our P's and Q's and, and, and taking our time and doing our due diligence just, just makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah. Andy, good stuff. Thanks, man. 